Welcome to The Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guest today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that would be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to The Corner Booth. Barry, today in the corner booth is going to be special because we get to talk about concept development. We get to talk about expansion and expansion through franchising. And that's because we've got my friend Berge Simonian at the corner booth today. Berge is the founder and the principal of the Salad Bar Concept Salada. Berge, welcome to the corner booth. Uh, thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here and honor. Uh, we're going to love it. So, Berge, uh, uh, very nice to meet you. Um, while franchising, um, particularly the way you've done it, that is quite an undertaking. I'm really looking forward to hearing your approach and, and how you've grown your concept to so many units. But um, I'm always interested when we start these conversations to find out how you got in the restaurant business. What led you down this path? Yeah. Uh, crazy, right? Uh, to be in the restaurant business, but uh, <laughs> somehow, most things so. Uh, somehow uh, we're in it, and once you're in it, you're in it, uh, you know, all in. Uh, it, uh, actually, my parents uh, were the catalyst uh, for my being in the restaurant business. They bought a deli here in Houston, and I had to move from Dallas here to help them. And then one uh, one thing led to another. Uh, and I end up in the 94, uh, just married and uh, had my second location of serving uh, cafeteria-style food in the uh, downtown uh, tunnels uh, to the that captive audience there uh, working uh, Monday to uh, Friday. Uh, lunches only it was great. Uh, I had, you know, still time to for family. Uh, at uh, nights and uh, weekends. So, uh, and then the, that was my second uh, operation and uh, along with that hot uh, cafeteria-style food of entrees and vegetables, I added a, a, a small uh, salad tossing station uh, doing scissors and, uh, you know, Greek salad and some customization and, uh, uh, you know, we had the proteins uh, with the uh, with the hot entrees, and people asked for. You know, we were doing chicken initially. We said, "Can I have the chicken fingers on there? Uh, can I have the uh, fish on it? Can you know? Can I have the uh, <coughs> uh, meatloaf on it? Uh, you know, all the proteins." I would do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so healthier choice. Correct. It it uh, kind of uh, evolved into uh, uh, a meal. Uh, in itself, instead of a, you know being a side salad thing, it was becoming a, a meal. So this mm -hmm. is what I was witnessing at that time. <clears throat> and also, we're kind of I'm around. We're around early 2000s, and I'm seeing uh, the lines at the, the salad line. We had two lines: one for the hot food, one for the salad. That's getting longer and longer, mm. and. Uh, as a uh, you know, result of that, I saw uh, the need. You know, basically, that's kind of like a, a business lesson that I learned early on was 
uh, feel a need. You know, I saw a need for that uh, uh, healthy eating that uh, was coming around <clears throat> at that time. And then uh, that where the formulation uh, changed and Salata was born in 2004 and first one was opened in 2000, first location opened in 2005 as a result of seeing uh, all these uh, things together and uh, envisioning the, the future of the healthy eating a trend that was uh, coming and it's here to stay and to grow. I really so that's cool. enjoy that. You know, I'll tell you why, because here's an, a great example of someone who saw what was coming down the road. Now, you know, we all know now you go out these, a lot of places are offering these bowl offerings, essentially salads with proteins on them. Very much so. And that's very popular now. Berge was at the ahead of that curve very early on, um, that's kind of exciting to to actually, you know, be able to see the future. I got to believe, Berge, you really were listening to your, your guests very carefully during that time. That's a good point. I think that's a very good point. This whole concept, as I just heard it, was developed by the ability to watch and learn from the customers because they were custom building salads. It was really a cafeteria line uh, in a downtown tunnel. And based on seeing that, you evolved into giving them what they were asking for. Can you talk about that, Barry? Correct. And again, in the early on, uh, uh, as uh, Chris has uh, helped me with the a la carte consulting is when I, uh, you know, uh, approached uh, uh, Chris to help me uh, organize uh, myself. Uh, 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 during that time, I remember seeing a, a, a survey done by a hotel chain. You know, what's the next thing for the next 10 or year, plus years? Uh, the, one of the first thing was healthy. Uh, I remember there was four uh, uh, points there that uh, it was made. Uh, the top one was healthy. The second one was uh, uh, casual. The third one was customization, mm -hmm. and the fourth one was under $20. Wow. And so all of these for me was the check, 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 check. You know, so Fresh, that? healthy customization and value for the dollar, and you hit it on the head. Good for you. You know, you know when you have so many operators who go into this, they say, listen, I, I have certain things that I like. I'm just going to try to push them onto the guests. And you have somebody like Bears who says, you know what, I'm, I want to see what, where the future lies in terms of food, and I'm going to give with people what they want. Yeah. So you opened the first location when, and then how long was that operating? What was your initial role like? Uh, walk us through that. Yeah. When uh, I decided that this is it, yeah. Uh, one of the first thing I did was uh, is, uh, find a name. I researched and came up with Salata. Uh, and then uh, the next thing that we did uh, is uh, work on our dressings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because uh, everywhere that I was looking at, every uh, uh, Cisco or uh, other uh, broadband distributors mm -hmm. that were bringing uh, dressings for me to look at, on the gallons, I was looking at the ingredients and there were things that I could not pronounce. Uh -huh. Uh, Not a good sign. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, 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 the mission is to be fresh, healthy, 
uh, all natural and uh, uh, and clean ingredients. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the the mission. And I cannot uh, give chemicals. Uh, so anyway, we end up <coughs> deciding that we had to do it ourselves. Make your own dressings. Correct. And we hired a chef and me and my uh, uh, partner and co-founder, uh, my uh, brother-in-law, uh, we. <coughs> We uh, developed the first uh, five dressings uh, before even we opened our first location. Do so you, uh, we knew the significance of that. Absolutely. It's the point of difference yeah. for a salad. Absolutely. The dressing. Do you, do you produce um, the dressings uh, at each unit or do you have a commissary and then distribute them via, for example, I know some of the broadline distributors will will distribute your own um, uh, and. Condiments and, and dressings right. to your units as part of their services. Exactly what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we uh, manufacture steel, manufacture our own in a co one commissary, and uh, our broadline distributor uh, picks it up from there and then distributes uh, to the restaurants like uh, other, our other inventory items. Do you retail those dressings as well? Uh, we're going to be starting uh, doing uh, retail bottles in our restaurants mm -hmm. uh, right now. Uh, and then <clears throat> hopefully uh, we are able to naturally extend the chef life to be able to be in some grocery mm -hmm. stores. That would be good. Uh, it's, it's hard to do that because uh, being all natural, you have a limited chef life. And to be in grocery stores, you got to have minimum uh, four months or so of chef life. So sure. okay. we're, we're working on that, but, but uh, in our restaurants, we definitely can sell it. Very good. So how many units do you have of Salata now? Uh, uh, right now, we are uh, having our uh, next opening, which is going to be in the South Woodlands area on Sawdust Street. Uh, it's going to be our 95th location. Wow. At 95? Wow. wow. And you started on the, what, 2000 and what? Uh, 2005. Okay, very good. So what point did you decide this is where you were going to go? Did When you started this, did you have a grand vision, I'm going to have X number of units? Or at one point you said, you know what, I can replicate this. Um, what, what was the big turning point for you? Or did you go into this with that all planned? No, I started a plan mm -hmm. of growing, mm -hmm. uh, becoming a, a chain. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, consistency was always the, uh, you know, the carrot economy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Making sure that whatever we're doing, we are consistent from location to location. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the first one that we opened in uh, 2005, I ran it for the first year. Uh, making sure that uh, I was listening and, and, uh, <clears throat> and looking at our, our customers, our guests. Uh, at that time and making sure that I did the fine tuning, I did price adjustments uh, and so forth, and brought it to a point where uh, the unit uh, economics has made sense. You know, mm -hmm. that's, you have to start with that. Sure, you okay, know, does good it start. Make, does it make money? Uh, if it doesn't make money, then uh, why grow? Right. So that was your role initially, hands-on, develop Correct. the systems, make the numbers right as a hands-on operator. Got Correct. it. You know, and I had to adjust the price. The first uh, six months, we in two dollars. We started at five. I had to go to six, and then immediately to seven within a year. So, 
And then see if demand dropped off uh, at a certain uh, price it, point. It, it didn't. It grew more. Wow. Yeah. There's a lesson there. There you go. That. There is. There's people a leave money on, on the table, yeah. don't they? That's because, right. I think that's a very good point. See, going back to what you were talking about, those four points initially, mm -hmm. value staying under 20. You're right. I think people define value as what's worth their time. Was it was there worth value for what I spent? Not necessarily the cheapest. So that's why I'm not surprised that a $7 salad, the way you did it, uh, was just as valuable to them as when it was at five. Good for you. And again, some people uh, complained about it in the beginning and, uh, you know, hey, I'm not coming here anymore and so forth. And I told them, if you want to us to maintain the quality and stay in business, then this has to be the price. Mm -hmm. So from that first unit, I mean, I realize now we already said we have you know, well over 90, but can you walk us through the development point? How did you, once you decided it, that you could maintain consistency and grow, walk the listeners through those first few steps, how you grew and what you needed to create and develop? How long did it take to get growth started? So the first process, uh, the first phase for me uh, was proof of concept, which we just discussed of Yes, is it working? Is it, uh, you know, uh, the, is the line out the door? Are people coming back for it? Are people coming back and bringing their friends with them? Uh, are we making money? All of these, yes. the first year uh, was accomplished. Good. So the next thing was to do is, okay, can this travel? Uh, let's see, open the second location and the third location to see if uh, we can be consistent. So that was kind of like the next step is, uh, consistency from location to location. So the second location uh, was my brother, uh, my younger brother, and uh, uh, the third location was, we traveled to Dallas. Uh, if you ask me now, <laughs> were you ready for it? No way we were ready for it, but uh, we opened one. <laughs> but now we're outside my, the city. Uh, yeah, because uh, it was my cousin uh, from Dallas. He came down to Houston. He saw the first one. He fell in love with it. He said, uh, I got to open one. So anyway, uh, that was the, f the the first two that opened. And then we opened the third one ourselves, again in downtown, our second location. So <laughs> around four, five, we opened our first suburban location. Now we're talking about uh, starting 2005, first location to 2009, having uh, six or seven. And seeing the consistency uh, making sure that uh, the ingredients, the inventory is, we, we, it's being delivered consistently because distribution is very important. Uh, as you're growing, you know, before you open up a market, you need to make sure that you can distribute there, the open market. So at that time, uh, our distribution really was my uh, uh, partner and brother-in-law, uh, Tony, uh, uh, going to Costco or wherever, uh, to make sure that uh, we have everything that we need. And we used to distribute the dressing ourselves also. You pretty to, well to outgrew that though, didn't you? <laughs> Inch back, I'm sorry? You pretty well outgrew that as you uh, expanded. Right, exactly. So really, that was kind of like, a, uh, you know, dressing manufacturing. We have dressing manufacturing in downtown uh, uh, at our small offices there. Uh, we have, you know, six, seven locations. We're opening more. Uh, and uh, we're able to distribute the dressings and uh, have consistency to location to location. Now, this was phase two. Uh, 
of uh, making sure that it travels and it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Now, phase three is developing the organization that will grow and support this franchise uh, system. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide to grow through franchising? And maybe you could share with us the advantages of growing that way um, and maybe some of the challenges now that you have franchisees and not just corporate stores. Yeah, uh, franchising is a a great way to grow uh, with other people's money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we start with nothing uh, and we didn't have the money to invest. Every restaurant at that time was costing us around $350,000 or so. Uh, and we managed in the beginning, you know, with some family help. Uh, my older brother, you know, helped me, help us in the beginning of financing a few of the locations. <clears throat> but uh, uh, the, the thing about franchising is that you have to uh, prove the concept, plus you have to have time under your belt. You have to show growth. You have to show... Uh, profitability, yeah. you have to show consistency. So it does took time. By the time we started really uh, franchising non-relatives was 2010 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had some time, you know, we grew, we have consistency, we're showing uh, growth from restaurant to restaurant year over year. Uh, I mean, double digit, uh, huge growth. Uh, not 5%, 4%, you know, uh, 50%, uh, 75%, and so on. Is there any particular advice you would give to an operator who wants to franchise, maybe based on things that you learned along the way, something that didn't go as planned or something that you <clears throat> did that worked out really well? Is there something you could uh, tell us to educate people on you know, how to go about this Um Successfully, yeah. I'll tell you what I did, and I would do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, by hiring uh, Chris uh, with a card consulting, uh, really was uh, it's such a convenience. It's like uh, it, uh, ten minutes from where I live, his office. Uh, he's got all the tools, uh, all the resources that you need to kind of like, uh, uh, set you at the right direction, uh, give you uh, you know the purpose. Uh, making sure they're asking you the right questions and you have the right answers for them. Uh, he had a team of, uh, you know, franchise consultants. He had a, a, a franchise attorney, a great uh, Wayne Bunch mm-hmm. uh, from day one until today. Uh, he's, he's with us, uh, a great franchise attorney. Uh, he had a, a Jeff Goldstein uh, mm-hmm. with the... Uh, with a franchise guru, sure, I say, sure. knowing. So having all these, uh, having all these uh, resources uh, available to help you uh, set you at the right uh, track, you know, marketing with, uh, with Emily, uh, uh, surveys that we did in the beginning uh, to find out, uh, you know, uh, are we doing a good job? Uh, you know, what's the... Uh, it was the mix of uh, female to male. So anyway, all these things that in the beginning, having uh, uh, consultants mm-hmm. uh, giving you uh, you know proper advice is uh, is paramount. Yeah, putting together a good team, I guess. Huh? Correct. 
Very good. So, yeah, it's a good balance of preparation. I think that's what I took away from that. You want to make sure that you're really well prepared. And for franchising, there's the legal side, obviously, uh, and the operations to get the trade dress and the operations and the systems in order. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, it's very important to have a good franchise attorney, have a great FTDs, uh, you know, in place that uh, usually it's in favor of the franchisor. Uh, because it's our system, it's our uh, platform that uh, whoever is coming into the system is joining, is, is getting the rights from us to tap into our platform. That's what you know, franchising is, gotcha. is so about. And uh, sorry to cut you off. Mm -hmm. uh, no, please that, go ahead. Uh, having a, a great support structure mm -hmm. is essential. If you don't have the support structure, if you cannot support your franchisees, don't even get into it. It's going to be a, a, a chaos and, and not a good uh, direction to go. Mm -hmm. So you're 95. Um, what's the method for determining how fast you grow? You know, what, what drives your decision to add two, three units? Um, it, you know, you know how, how do you know when it's time to add the next unit or the next three or four units? Well, we have, uh, right now, we get to a point where we have about 20 or 25 in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, these are uh, leases that are signed already mm -hmm. that at uh, different stages of, uh, of development. Mm -hmm. uh, so... You know, there's a timeline, there's a schedule. Uh, we, right now, we, you know, can open one week uh, very easily. Mm -hmm. uh, it also depends on your uh, how many teams, how many training teams you have, uh, you know, your infrastructure, and so forth. Like I said, the support infrastructure is very essential for your growth. You can grow as much as your infrastructure is. Do you have any corporate units, or are they all franchise? Uh, we have, currently we have 11 uh, corporate units. Do you, have you ever had to buy back a franchise from a franchisee because you just weren't happy with the way it was going? Yes, yes we did. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's mutual. Uh, if, if somebody is not uh, happy about the situation, mm -hmm. then it's very, uh, very easy. We just discuss, start discussing exit mm -hmm. with people. Uh, but uh, it didn't work out in this uh, situation. So mm -hmm. very amicable way. We find a, a fair way to uh, discuss exit and take over uh, of their restaurants, which we have done. When you select prospective franchisees or entertain their interest in your concept, besides the ability to raise the capital that's necessary and to commit to the operating manual and commit to the training and so forth, are there any issues, other issues that you look for to make sure it's a good fit with your culture in terms of the culture of your concept? Yeah, first of all, obviously when they approach us, they believe in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And usually uh, the, the pool of people that we're getting now, they're, they're uh, that healthy-minded mm -hmm. uh, and they want to uh, do that as a business as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we learned as we grew, uh, as we mentioned before, we have taken some franchises off our system. You know, mm -hmm. They're good people, but it wasn't a good fit uh, with us. And we learned how to uh, select better franchisees 
seeing the passion in them, uh, seeing uh, obviously has to be local. Uh, we're looking for uh, you know local involvement, uh, community, uh, and in one word, we are looking for franchisees that are engaged. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Are you restricting your selection to people who are able to develop a whole community and do multi-unit development, or are people able to just do one? Uh, minimum three. I see. Minimum, minimum three. three. In terms of your regional <coughs> expansion, um, it would seem to me this concept would have legs just about everywhere. Um, is this something that you're looking to develop into a national brand or um, do you feel there's any advantages or reasons to keep it maybe regional, southeast, uh, mid-Atlantic? Um, what is your thoughts about that? Uh, well, right now we're, uh, we call ourselves a little bit kind of uh, semi-regional. Mm-hmm. We're strong in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, Houston, uh, uh, born and strong in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, DFW, Austin, San Antonio. Uh, we're in Chicago, we're in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. we're in Atlanta. Okay, so you're all, you are, you are national. Correct. We're in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, we're in Oklahoma City, we're in Tulsa, mm-hmm. uh, we're in Lake Charles. So we are uh, growing. It's uh, kind of like a field, uh, uh, the Sun Belt. Basically, mm-hmm. there's plenty on the plate on the, for the Sun Belt to go mm-hmm. from east to uh, from east to west. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like the the primary uh, uh, target. Well, you've got some great coverage uh, now. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, hats off to you. You've touched on some of the advantages and why you chose growing through franchising, but it wasn't always smooth sailing. Wasn't there a time? where, you know, you felt like things were stumbling a little bit and you wanted to suspend growth for a little bit um, just to to maybe pay attention or fix some things. Could you share with us what, what you know, those tougher years were like yeah, for you? Yeah. That, that happened uh, end of uh, 2013. I pulled the plug on it uh, because I didn't have the support structure. Okay. What was missing? Uh, I didn't have the personnel. I didn't have the right personnel mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, I was wearing, uh, in the beginning, I was wearing OST uh, multiple hats. And as we were going, you know, shed this off, take this off, and find the right person to take over that and so forth. Uh, you know, I was doing everything from uh, 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 developing floor plans to construction site visits to uh, recruiting franchisees to, I mean, uh, operations, developing uh, things. So a uh, lot, lot on a plate. And uh, and really I was uh, having, uh, and my team was having uh, difficulty communicating with our uh, franchise community. Okay. Uh, we didn't know, we didn't have the right uh, skills uh, to do that. So, uh, I, even though we had signed for 75 and had opened 35 at that time and we had another 40 already committed, I stopped it uh, taking additional franchise coming in, but we still had to fulfill those obligations. Certainly. And, and uh, beef up our, infra- our uh, management team along the way. 
So it took about uh, three years or so to get there. Uh, by uh, mid-2016, I felt like we had a okay team uh, to, to restart. So we reopened and, uh, you know, we had uh, very successful uh, franchise sales. Uh, we opened a few markets uh, outside of the te Texas and a lot of in the Texas uh, market as well. Uh, and then that team that we had further evolved and further developed that right now uh, I feel like really Salata has one of the uh, really uh, world-class uh, team uh, to uh, support our franchise community and our growth. And that may not have happened if you didn't take that gutsy call and say time out from new franchises. Correct. That's the lesson there that I hope people are making um, note of is that you you can't extend expansion past your talent pool mm -hmm. and, and have mm -hmm. the ability to support the, the structure. So that was a gutsy call then, but one worth making. Good for you. Branding, um, you know, in the age of social media marketing, um, you know, 30 years ago, um, somebody like yourself would be looking at uh, television advertising, newspapers, you know, in the regions that you're trying to grow and brand. Um, what is, uh, talk about marketing and branding uh, nowadays with a, I'd say an emerging uh, franchise chain, but you're more than an emerging, you're an established franchise chain. Uh, well, it's a completely different uh, landscape now. Of the course, marketing, yeah. as everybody knows, uh, digital uh, is the way uh, to go, and everything has to be digitized. But we still uh, has to have uh, the local uh, touch. Uh, we are uh, focusing uh, this year. Our focus will be on uh, on local, uh, and you know. Uh, divert some of that uh, system ad uh, uh, funds that uh, that we receive from the franchisee back to each community itself instead of spending on the national uh, ad. So kind of like more localizing, uh, digitize is kind of like uh, uh, embrace the community mm -hmm. is what our strategy is uh, this year and what, moving forward. What kind of medium are working for you? What kind of platforms are really seem uh, all to pull the platforms, for you? All, all the platforms, mm -hmm. you know, Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be everywhere, Instagram, yeah. uh, all, of, all of the above. We have to be uh, showing presence and uh, be in contact and, uh, you know, give our, uh, give our, our voice, uh, who we are mm -hmm. and what we do and uh, uh, how we are part of uh, this healthy eating, uh, you know, movement that is growing and will continue to grow. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good direction. Um, from what we see, you know, in the trends, that the uh, it, it it doesn't really help you to try to market as one big. I'm a 95 unit guy. I think you much you get a much better response. Uh, with that local community development. I know in my community, for example, I think people want to dine with people that they like. Uh, so the more that business can be tied to that community, that means much more to them than this is a new chain, you know, on the board with 90 some units. How much delivery factoring into your business model? 
uh, we started uh, like everybody else. Uh, we do delivery as well. Uh, it's a small uh, fraction right now, mm -hmm. uh, less than 5%, but it will grow. Does your uh, menu travel well? Oh, mm -hmm. very well. Mm -hmm. Travel well everywhere. Uh, you know, it doesn't get, you know, it doesn't get cold because it's already cold. Mm -hmm. uh, we just want to make sure that we are uh, uh, tamper-proof is, you know, uh, very, very important yeah. issue for us mm -hmm. uh, as we delivery is going to grow. So we're, you know, delivery now, but we're evolving and constantly our motto is evolve and, and better and how we can be a, a better service, how we can do our product better. Mm -hmm. uh, along those lines is, you know, temper proofing, making sure that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when the uh, end, uh, uh, you know, our guests get it at the home, it's like, it hasn't been touched, mm -hmm. it has our signature on it. Of course. Uh, we are, uh, I have to go to a third party for delivery. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the name of the game. Sure. You know. uh, is catering part of uh, your unit's uh, business model too? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yes. Uh, catering, we've been doing it for the past, uh, uh, focusing on it for the past five years and, and evolved. Mm -hmm. uh, our catering director, uh, uh, Sarah Bayless, when I interviewed her, she said, uh, I want to build a catering program. And mm -hmm. I was thinking that I'm hiring somebody who's gonna do some catering sales for me. And so really she uh, she came uh, through and uh, we have a fantastic catering program now. And she's our uh, off-premise uh, uh, director, part mm -hmm. of our leadership team. And you know, it's also uh, shows our company uh, and I truly believe in promote them within uh, find find good good diamonds and and then uh, you know uh, polish them sure. and, and make them uh, stars. Mm -hmm. Now programs like this, whether it's uh, delivery or whether it's catering, is that something that then becomes a mandatory part of the concept every franchisee does, yes. or is it just rolled out optionally? No, it's not, it's not optional. Every franchise does it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could talk just a little bit about how that works to the listeners. Like the, you have corporate stores and you have a very large franchise network. What's the difference between supervising managers and staff in a corporately owned store and administering to your franchisees? How do you approach that? First, uh, we consider ourselves uh, with our 10 locations, uh, 11, our 11 locations as uh, another franchise group. Mm -hmm. That's how we look at it. From That's good. The, from the uh, franchisor perspective, uh, we have to do the same thing uh, that uh, other franchise uh, we expect from our franchisees to do. Uh, we have an FBC program in place, and that's again that's one of the things that we did not have in place uh, prior to restarting the franchise. is a uh, is a program where uh, from the home office. Uh, the supervision is not policing, but bringing value uh, to our franchisees. So, you know, we look at it from that perspective now. Prior to that, they were looking at it, you know, we, we go in there, you know, obviously you have to audit, uh, is it the tomato cut properly or, or, you know, other things as well. So, uh, you know, they think that we were, uh, you know, policing them, and they is it, 
created a negative environment. And that's kind of one of the reasons, things that we analyze during that off time that, you know, what were we doing wrong and what's happening and talking with our franchisees, you know, how can we improve this? And we found a, a great uh, person that they can develop a program for us, uh, which is, like I mentioned before, franchise business consultant, but coming in from the angle of bringing value to our franchisees. We're not there to police you. We're there. We're, uh, we both want more guests coming into our room. That's our common denominator. You know, okay. we, uh, looking at it from that perspective, let's work together and then have more of these bodies coming in. Uh, it's beneficial for uh, for all of us. Do you use your, your corporate stores to uh, test market new menu items? Yes. Uh, at our uh, uh, new headquarters uh, on the west side of Houston, mm -hmm. we have a, a test kitchen uh, there. It's, it's a live restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, Monday to Friday uh, open. And uh, we have a, our corporate chef testing things and uh, experimenting. And uh, before we roll out things, we uh, tested at some corporate locations and franchise locations as well. Uh, we go everything kind of, with the franchisees. We look at it. We all together. We do things together. Mm -hmm. We brainstorm together, uh, uh, and then uh, whatever we roll out, it's not a surprise to any of them. Mm -hmm. You know, we did it together. So that's kind of one of the things that you have to watch out for is uh, enforcing enforcing things that you have. You might have a revolution at your hand uh, if you don't if you're not diplomatic about it. So I'm hearing you, you try to give your franchisees a sense of not only ownership of their unit, but ownership of the brand and the concept and the menu as well? Yeah, 100%. Do you bring them together um, in Houston? Do you have uh, annual meetings for your franchise owners where they all congregate under one roof or is communication you going to them? Yeah, we do uh, conferences every other year, mm -hmm. but uh, between that we do, uh, we call it SFEC. Uh, uh, franchise Advisory uh, Council mm -hmm. uh, every quarter, uh, every other month, mm -hmm. uh, we meet and discuss and have committees. Uh, like, for example, just recently, uh, uh, we developed uh, a food cost committee. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of franchisees are foodies and they've been in the business and they used to be supply chain guys and mm -hmm. so uh, they said hey we want to come in and, and negotiate a better uh, deal uh, for the chicken uh, okay come on in if you can save everybody uh, you know dollars mm -hmm. so anyway we have a committee now that is you know uh, looks at uh, all those purchasing uh, together mm -hmm. It's a great approach. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, taking the role as a franchisor is more of leading a team to a mutual goal uh, rather than having that old-fashioned supervisor, enforcer kind of a role. Good. Very good. Sounds like it's working well for him. Has the issue with joint employment uh, been much on your radar? I know uh, it's uh, right now it looks... Some of the decisions look pretty good, but um, has that been something that has uh, occupied uh, some of your concerns and thoughts? And uh, is there anything you want to talk about that? Well, it's always been on, on our radar. Right. But like you said, it's uh, good news that uh, we don't have to worry about it for now. Mm -hmm. Which to me, which is nice because for, particularly for you, you're trying to run a very, uh, for lack of a better term, a very democratic franchise network. 
you know, allows you to be more hands-on without worrying about somebody saying, oh gosh, you know, now you're a joint employer. So I, I think people should hear that, you know, before they jump to any conclusion about how the law should be. Uh, your model um, is very successful and you should be allowed to have some influence and vice versa, your franchisee should have, left, have some influence on how this is all going to grow. So discuss what you might have as a short-term strategy now um, over these next few years. Are there particular projects that you're working on either in product, technology, marketing, you know, that you now have the ability and the staff to develop? Uh, and if so, can you share those with us? Uh, work in all, all angles, uh, all departments, from uh, saving on food, uh, uh, having a better dressing uh, lineup, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, putting a lid on the construction cost. Uh, working on that. I was wondering when that was going to come up. Things well, like, a, you can't grow nationwide without being concerned. Construction, yes. opening, occupancy. Yeah. Correct. Cost of labor. Uh, so anyway, those are uh, really uh, issues that <clears throat> are in front of us that we still, uh, it's a work in progress as we're uh, evolving and, and growing to see how we can uh, build uh, better, faster, and cheaper. Uh, to try to be uh, <clears throat> have a good ratio of initial investment versus sales. Do you have a wide variety of, say, um, acceptable trade dress so that materials, colors can vary depending upon region and also depending upon cost? Uh, yes, uh, we have flexibility. Okay. Uh, as long as it's uh, our same feel, then uh, we're okay with it. We have a design team that uh, deals with these issues uh, constantly, and if they're okay with it, then everybody's okay with it. Is there any plans for maybe day part extension? By that I mean, do you think that in if the if some in some franchise locations, for example, if they could do some type of breakfast bowls, breakfast wraps with the same things, would you have a breakfast day part at all? Uh, that breakfast is probably going to be uh, starting uh, for us uh, when we do our first uh, airport uh, location. That was uh, my next question. Good airport. for you. Non-traditional growth. That's yeah. a good opportunity uh, for so, uh, franchise operations. Because you, you know, you must have a breakfast element. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, whether, uh, anytime you're at the, at the airport. Uh, so we are in the hunt for uh, one or two uh, airports uh, currently. And when that happens, then we already have kind of developed the plan for it. Uh, and But uh, we haven't done the implementation of it. Once it's an operational, then we'll go to those details. Understood. Well, good luck with that. That yeah. sounds like a natural extension of the well, brand. And, and see, and see how it works out. If it works out good, that's a, we have a, then we can uh, roll it out to our uh, traditional locations as well, if, never, if I, need be. I never considered that. Um, you know, I know the breakfast requirement in airports is is you know uh, is non-negotiable, and I always looked at it as sort of something that really puts an extra burden on the concept. But in this case. Um, I'm imagining that it gives you an opportunity to, to expand your menu in ways that you might have not done otherwise, and that may offer you some opportunities outside the airport. Correct. 
correct. Mm-hmm. And that'd be like, they, like I said, there'd be a testing ground mm-hmm. to see if it's, you know, what's working, what's not working, and so forth. If we see that it's, you know, feasible, then we can roll it out. Is, yeah. Go ahead. Is airport expansion, uh, uh, besides just one airport, is that something you, you're looking at maybe <sighs> doing across the board? I've been mean, still dreaming about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had uh, a couple other opportunities before, but we couldn't make it. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't. We, we didn't get selected, uh-huh. but hopefully this uh, we, we're not giving up on it. Uh, so we try I again. think it's a natural extension. I think you might be in a very good position uh, for what, what what the industry you know calls non-traditional locations. It's not just airports, but uh, convention centers and arenas, sport venues, uh, on campus, theaters, I mean, campuses. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I would uh, wish you well with that market segment. <clears throat> How about the challenges uh, you uh, that might be facing your operators? We, we talked about the brand and what you're looking at in the short term for things like construction cost and uh, the cost of growth and occupancy. But how do you see the next short term from an operations point of view? What are their major challenges? Obviously, uh, labor force mm-hmm. uh, is the, the, the top uh, challenge okay. of uh, having uh, good teams, maintaining good teams, and have uh, uh, minimal turnover. Uh, it will happen. It's a it's a nature of the of the business that uh, you you are going to have turnover, but try to minimize it. Uh, hire good, uh, have good managers that are local, and. Uh, continue as our you know, uh, education of our managers for uh, leadership and, and team building uh, abilities so that they can uh, maintain, uh, first of all, hire good people and how to maintain, how to build teams. Uh, so those are some of the measures that to, uh, our training uh, department is implementing mm-hmm. uh, to combat that. And uh, also, uh, we, you know, we are one of those uh, concepts where, you know, obviously the servers behind the line, and uh, usually it's not a, a tip environment. Mm-hmm. But uh, ever since uh, that we uh, changed our uh, POS uh, platform about six months ago, and uh, now uh, uh, our guests have an ability to add tip before the transaction is finalized, even going through the line. So that increased the, the tip uh, fivefold and more. Uh, instead of doing uh, you know cash tips a day, uh, around uh, twenty thirty dollars a day. Now they're at one hundred fifty dollars a day, and I was you know so happy to to see that uh, that. Uh, you know, the tip increased and the servers now are more motivated, are better motivated mm-hmm. and to uh, to work harder. They know that, you know, uh, they're uh, having additional two and a half to three dollars uh, per hour uh, added on their paycheck. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing that the tips reflected uh, on their pay stubs. Uh, so that also is uh, helping as well. With uh, the advances in um, analytics and having all your stores networked on a single POS system, um, 
I can imagine that you are following what's going on in every store and analyzing data. What kind of things are you learning? Do you have a, a team that does nothing but um, just analyze the data coming in from the various stores? And, and how is that driving your decisions? Can you talk about how that kind of technology is uh, uh, affecting the modern landscape of uh, franchising? Uh, yes, uh, and again, we developed that uh, this uh, past uh, few months, and we're right now uh, our, te- our complete tech uh, platform. And uh, right now we are in uh, adding features to that. Uh, we have a Dash uh, 2.0 mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, coming up uh, to give, give us uh, immediate uh, daily, uh, you know, uh, information as we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you, have to, you have to be tech-savvy company. Salata mm-hmm. uh, has always been from day one. Uh, we developed our own uh, online ordering uh, uh, platform uh, in 2012. Okay. Uh, and then we did the second one, uh, improved that uh, where in 2016, 17, where you could uh, sign up and, and so forth. Uh, and then uh, this is our third version of the, our online ordering, uh, that which is, uh, it's a must uh, to have. Mm-hmm. Also, the, our app uh, reward program that we came up with, uh, uh, catering, uh, right. uh, I mean, all these, all these uh, elements, uh, new POS system, they are all integrated together uh, where all the information comes into the POS from all of these uh, other third-party apps that we have. And that's one of the reasons that we chose that particular POS mm-hmm. that has the ability to do that. So again, all more consolidate, uh, consolidated uh, information and reports that we're getting. And we just right now at the tail end of it of kind of developing our, finalizing our Dash 2.0, now that the kind of the dust has settled, mm-hmm. all the logistics of the uh, of the operation is is okay. We have no, no snags and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we'll continue to uh, grow that and have uh, instant information like you were discussing. Are predictive analytics uh, in the future in terms of uh, predicting demand based on weather and helping each of the units determine their purchasing and, and their labor needs? Uh, uh, some I know some concepts are, are delving into that. Is that something that you've uh, discussed with uh, your POS provider and your, your technical people? Yeah, uh, our, our whole team is mm-hmm. now involved with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as we, you know, we used to uh, know it, but now it's a little bit more detailed and more scientific and uh, more uh, sophisticated as we're, as we're uh, growing. Mm-hmm. One final thing I'd like to touch on that I think is probably more unique to your concept than others is the increasing attention to be paid to food, uh, food um, safety and sanitation. It seems like every year there's always something about produce, tomatoes, something's wrong with avocados, don't eat romaine lettuce. Is there extra attention that that your team must play and how do you handle that through procurement and staff awareness and training? Great point. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that Salata is a a clean restaurant uh, from the house 
and the back of the house also. Uh, that's that's the first measure that we have to take. We have to have uh, that clean cleanliness culture, which is ingrained in Salata. That's the so best start. It start with that. Okay. Uh, so at the end of the day, you clean the restaurant like this. Uh, it's the first day. Uh, that's the that's the motto. That's the attitude uh, uh, about it. Uh, we are already a clean. A sanitary a restaurant that take extreme measures to make sure that we our product that we are displaying every day, our freshness and quality there that is safe to, to to eat. Uh, we have uh, uh, in the we prep in the kitchen. Uh, we bait actually all of our vegetables mm -hmm. uh, in uh, safe natural solutions that. Uh, uh, I would, I would kind of say a squeaky clean, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, all of our vegetables that you see displayed at our restaurants. Uh, so, uh, again, also the restaurant is, the whole kitchen is designed, so to speak, for uh, for dummies. Uh, you can't make any mistakes. It's, uh, everything is is pre-measured or, uh, you know, there's no recipes in the restaurant level at all uh, at Salata. So everything is, uh, you know, pre-measured and uh, packaged properly. Uh, so everything is, you know, sanitation and safety in Good. mind. The way that we combated all these uh, 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 lettuce scares, especially uh, Romaine Hearts is kind of uh, really the, the culprit mm -hmm. uh, mostly. Uh, we kind of uh, diversified. We uh, In the beginning, we were heavy on, uh, on the, the Romaine, mm -hmm. on our uh, on our lettuce green section. Uh, now we brought in more greens and we di diversified. So even if the romaine has an issue, we take it out. You can so work around it. Okay. You still and just replace the greens for that. You still have plenty of options of, of greens. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of like our measure. And also uh, we uh, have uh, been uh, to the fields of in Salinas, California, mm -hmm. met our growers, uh, met our distributors. Uh, we went through a, a process a uh, couple of years ago of uh, wanting to know our growers and you know how much the product is coming all the way to our back door. So we did a trip there and we met them uh, and so forth. And uh, we, unlike other, other brands that like to partner up with local farmers and so forth, Yes, it's a good thing, and we'd love to do that also, but in situations like this, uh, if you're working with multiple areas, multiple locations, multiple farmers... I was you know, wondering about that. It yeah. makes it all like the a, more EA harder. Uh, there was kind of like a Chipotle's issue uh, of trying to uh, identify the source. It took him longer to do that. Mm -hmm. In our situation, we have one source coming in from one grower that we've been uh, doing business for all these years, and then... Immediately, you know, they, we have picked them because on a daily basis they check their fields, they check their product. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're like very clean centric, like us. They think like us. You know. So immediately, sorry to cut you off. So immediately, when there was a lettuce scare, uh -huh. they contacted us, and there was communication there, making sure that our product was okay, our product was good. They had no issues with it, but we didn't. Uh, sell it anyway because the perception was uh, 
out there that is no good for you. Better to err on the side yeah, of uh, being safe. Good you, for you. You know, you talk, and we, we've been talking about farm to fork for so many years, and we always think of it in terms of working with the small farmer, which is great. But I'm seeing this is really a, a, an amazing approach. You're going out to Salinas Valley growers, as you well know. These are large corporate grow- sure. growers. But sole sourcing with someone who is going to get behind your commitment to providing a healthy product and uh, um, the whole advantage of sole sourcing in that, in that particular um, situation. Um, boy, that's a really compelling argument there. Well, safety, bears, safety oh, comes first. You know, we like to mm-hmm. have, but safety first. Absolutely. This has been wonderful. This has been wonderful. Uh, before we let you go, if it's okay with you, we'd like to play a quick, uh, quick Q and A. Here, we like to wrap up our sessions by letting the listeners learn just a little bit more about you. So, if you don't mind, we'd like to do a quick what we call the Fay Five, okay. and share some answers with us as as they come to mind. And the very first question we have for you is, what is your favorite? go-to comfort food when you want something comfortable and don't tell me it's a healthy salad. Uh, it's a, I love a good burger and fries. Nice. That's comfort food. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to no. take a break from salads every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. um, so what's your favorite restaurant anywhere, uh, your top choice uh, if you could dine anywhere? I would say uh, mine and my family's uh, favorite to go to has been Houston's. Houston's restaurant. It's a good one, mm-hmm. boy. Good, I tell you what, yeah, that's been concept. consistent you for the years. Yeah. You can't go wrong with uh, consistent. I mean, you can't go wrong with Houston. Do you have a favorite place on the planet, like a best trip or your favorite city to go to when you have time? Uh, well, the, the place that uh, we enjoy, I've enjoyed with my family is uh, Cayman. Uh, it's a short trip from Houston. Uh, it's like a Hard to beat that. Different yeah, world. And, uh, you know, I was like a baby. Uh, didn't want to get out from the water. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of fun there. Um, do you have a sort of favorite person, somebody who's influenced you in a very positive way, maybe in your business or your personal development as a, as a businessman and a, and a person? Uh, I would say that several people that uh, helped me along the way. Uh, I'm going to say Chris here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How about how about a book that maybe you've read or a particular passage that means something to you that you like to live by? Uh, really, it's a small, short book that. Uh, our ex-HR director gave it to me. It's called One Minute Manager. Ah, yeah. Okay. Hey, that's a good one. It's very uh, clean, very understandable, you know, set the expectation and let them go. It's wow. just, you know, very, very simple. Well, bears from hands-on working the deli, watching the customers customize salads, to creating the brand Salada, to growing, to now having uh, a nationwide franchise network. What what a wonderful story to share. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for visiting with us and uh, continued success. Yeah, thank you. Again, it's a great honor. Thanks, Barry. Best of luck, Barry. And I look forward to uh, checking out Salada uh, when they open up in Charlotte. So yeah. It's coming up in a few months. That'll be great. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Tripoli and Barry Schuster. 
saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in the corner booth. Till then, go make it a good shift.